0: we'll hand select the best nuggets to share with you in this short form. The lessons of the Cutco Vector Experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real world concepts for business and life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's flashback. Today, we are flashing back to episode number 251, with Cutco Vector's Assistant Division Manager for the Champion Lone Star Division, Damian Skopp. Damian's sales team in San Marcos, Texas, has been a pioneer in college student recruiting and development programs, including the virtual demo. They'll have their fifth straight year over $1 million in sales in 2023, and Damian has also surpassed $10 million in career sales, earning his entry into the Cutco Vector Hall of Fame. Damien's life and career have been marked by many challenges, but no matter what the obstacle, he has been able to rise above it. In these short snippets from our original conversation, Damien shares some of his keys in leading college students to success with Cutco Vector. He reveals some personal philosophies that have motivated him, and he gets into some elements of his college student recruiting programs and his work implementing the virtual demo program. Damien has always been a top performer in the fall and spring campaigns, and he covers some key strategies for producing those results. You'll get the usual 10 or so minutes of carefully selected nuggets pertaining to leading college students. We've also chosen to add about three or so bonus minutes of compelling insights from an incredible year of tragedy and triumph that Damien experienced. I know you'll be left inspired, to rise up to whatever challenges you might be facing now or in the future. Enjoy these flashback segments with Damien Skop, and please take the time to revisit his full story and lessons at episode number 251.
1: I asked myself the question, despite the challenges that might come to pass, where would I be most ultimately fulfilled as a high-ranking person in the region office or as a high-ranking cut co-sales professional, maybe you know, director of the fair and show team in our area, or as a high-powered district manager? What What would bring me the most amount of happiness and drive and motivation, regardless of how challenging it might be? And I couldn't get away from the district manager position, the ability to... You know, basically do what I was coaching a lot of these other managers to do. So in that year of 2015, I had decided to I was going to become the best version of myself. I, I hired a personal coach. I was listening to so many different audios, and part of it was because I felt like I had a really big issue with commitment, which, if you look at my history, I did a lot of different things. Prior to that, I had met with West Frank, uh, who was a division manager, and he had told me very flat out that if I wanted to become successful as a district manager, the secret was you have to work your ass off for three years straight. And if you can work your butt off for three years straight, your life will change. And I, I remember coming to Lloyd and telling him that I wanted to put my name in the hat of district management, and he couldn't have been more pleased. And uh, that's when I went and finally started to get to know Stacy Campbell, who was the division manager at the time. And he gave me a chance at being a district manager. And uh, there was a territory that had become open within one week of me making that decision in a little town called San Marcos, Texas, which Mm -hmm. prior to moving there, I'd never even heard about before. I can't tell you that we had the breakout summer that I wanted, at least not right away. In fact, I opened up my summer with about $10,000 in savings. And I was down to about $1,800 in savings by the middle of July. And I can tell you that I had a couple of moments there where I was, Oh my God, did I make the right decision? And I just figured if if I have all these people that are investing into me and supporting in me, I got to go all in. I got to invest all the way. And I took my last couple of thousand dollars and I, I, I committed to investing into recruiting in the middle of July, where all of a sudden we, we basically called back everyone that had ever been scheduled for every interview and every training. And uh, a couple of, couple of individuals ended up showing up to my office that completely changed the direction of my summer. I ended up selling almost 40% of my summer from 3 individuals that came in from that investment, that uh, that final all-in. I'm going to I'm gonna bet it on myself. And that was the catalyst. That moment where I finally, instead of wondering whether or not I was going to stick in it, I decided to commit 100%. And that was committing my time, committing all of my money, committing all of my energy into making sure this was going to work. And all of a sudden, a couple of things happened. So the first thing that happened is I had my first... 10k fast starter. I had my first representative that went out and uh, and hit that top level and at a conference called Summer Conference number 2, SC2, which we're starting this push here actually ironically on Monday, I decided that we were going to have a great Great SC2 push. And we went for And I had this one representative who sold $17,000. name is Richie Anderson. And he was that rep that you had been dreaming of. He was so self-motivated and went out there and crushed it. And we showed up to the conference. And I was sure that he was going to be the number one guy. And at the conference... He's standing next to this other guy, and my guy has to go down first. He sells seventeen thousand dollars, and the guy who is next to him, his name is Riley Looking Bill. He sells an extra maybe five hundred bucks, so not by much. Oh. But he goes up on stage and he grabs the microphone and he says, "My name is Riley Looking Bill. I go to Texas Tech and I sold eighteen thousand one hundred dollars, and I did all of it sitting on my dorm room couch." Wow, and my jaw drops to the ground. And I all of a sudden decided that we were going to be the virtual demo office. And I figured it would be great because we had so many college students in our territory. Traditionally, college town offices face a struggle that all of the representatives that are there during the fall and the spring are not from the area. And if we're running a business that does in home demos, it was going to be really hard for them to go do a demo for their first initial appointments because all their first initial family members and friends lived hours and hours away from this college town i just came up with this tagline that you can work from your dorm room and pay for school and i remember going up to texas state university's career services department that had allowed us they you know they they were really nice and i told them about the program we were building. And they were so excited about it. You know, the idea that their students wouldn't even have to leave their dorm and could focus on school and then do a couple of appointments around their classes seemed like the dream job for a college student. Right. And what became a really fun job, which was what I always felt really attracted people to the Cutco position, you know, hanging out with Mrs. Jones, drinking iced tea the attraction now pivoted from a really fun job to a job that helped you prioritize school as your number one priority. And it was exciting. The on-campus events that we would do were something unlike anything I'd ever experienced. When I started telling college kids on campus of what they could do in four hours, we would take 150 applications. Wow. and. We would we would have to go back to the office, and we'd have twenty and thirty people in interviews during a time of the year where a lot of offices didn't really see that going on. And uh, you know, for all of you guys that are new district managers, double monthly bonus when you're having an explosive fall was the answer. It was so exciting to see our our name, our office became number one in the nation almost overnight, and. All of a sudden, I felt like I had my thing. You know, I, I feel like managers need to find what their one thing is. For those of you that have read the book, you know, if you could find the one thing that you feel super powerful about, it almost takes everything else that you do that you might not do that well, and sort of makes it all disappear. And we started building this massive team in the fall of 2016. We almost doubled what we sold in the summer. In that fall, we ended up at almost $400,000 in sales after only doing about one hundred and fifty in the summer. Amazing.
0: As one of the top teachers of the virtual demo in the company, what have you found to be some of the keys
1: to success for the reps to make sure they do well with them? With the in-home demo, it was the product. It's hard to argue with you know, someone cutting a penny in front of you and chopping up tomatoes and lettuce and seeing how exciting it is in that moment. Whereas the virtual demo program, the biggest skills that representatives had to develop is the ability to share their goals and the ability to share why they were so excited about developing the skills that the virtual demo was giving them. Especially in a generation that doesn't talk a lot on the phone, the ability for a college student to say that they were so proud and so excited that they were going to stand out from the crowd and they were going to be professional, and they were going to be exceptionally able to talk to people not just in person, but in even a more challenging uh, vehicle of the phone. And it's gone from I don't like talking on the phone to I'm really proud that I'm one of the few people in my friends group that's great at on-the-phone communication. And the other part of it that became so much fun was that our office environment became so different from anything that I've ever seen. Because in the first weekend of a representative doing demos in a traditional environment, they would be gone, right? You would just hear from them over the phone. And in our office, they would stay. We would finish training at 4 o'clock. And we would just set up desks all around the, the office for people to start their virtual demos. And we would stay in the office till 10, 11 o'clock at night, coaching them through the virtual demo. We would come back Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. And representatives would come back to the office. And they would build this culture of, we work at our office. And uh, while I might not be the one that stays around after training as much uh, as some of my assistant managers do it now, but I feel great about doing it because I know I did it for 2 years. And today, it, it creates that bond between the assistant managers and the representatives in a way that I don't know if it's possible. Because when that assistant manager is there and closes and helps that representative with their first sales, the bond that's created is really tough to beat. And they really start to trust the management team, I think, a lot faster because of it.
0: I love it. And so it's a new way for the office to be a magnet for reps to come hang around and get that in-person time
1: oh, with le- le- leaders on the team. Yeah. It's really fun to have running interviews or running training and people in different rooms are closing sales. It brings the legitimacy to the business into its full, you know, right to the face because people are selling Cutco while people are sitting in training. Awesome. I love it. So cool. And it led to a Great success. I mean, to give you perspective, the San Marcos territory sold eighty thousand dollars of Cutco for the year of twenty fifteen, and we did almost four hundred in twenty sixteen. We took it to seven hundred thousand the following year. In the first full year, did that twice, and uh, in twenty nineteen, we had our first million dollar year.
0: I know that uh, you had a really devastating year personally in twenty nineteen, and I want to ask you to share whatever you're, you're willing to share. About that, and and in particular, share what lessons grew out of that experience of that year.
1: So, in the spring of 2019, we were we were doing great. Uh, we were basically gearing up for what I thought might be our best year ever. And you know, whenever everything is going well, I feel like the world wants to challenge you to see how badly do you want it. So, at the time, uh, my dad was struggling. He had been in a car accident. And he had broken his hip and he was kind of in and out of the hospital. He had moved down to Argentina as my older brother was helping take care of him a little bit more in his home. My mom actually had gotten cancer and I, I was sort of dealing with those things a little bit in the background, trying to stay very positive. And all of a sudden in March and then in May and then in July, all back to back to back within three or four months, my dad passes away. My mom passes away pretty suddenly. And then my stepdad who had been married to my mom passes away as well. And one of the things that I had always struggled with is vulnerability. I didn't really like expressing when I was sad or expressing when I was mad to other people very much. I learned a lot from, you know, from Danny and, uh, from David to just be the most positive person I could be. And one of the downsides of that is I guess I learned how to hide a lot of my, you know, my personal demons and my personal challenges. And I remember the very first time that I decided to share with my team at a team meeting how I was doing. And it all of a sudden created a change of energy that I didn't really know was, was, was there. I didn't really know existed. And the contribution that I received back from the people who I decided to be vulnerable with was incredibly overwhelming. And these college students who didn't really know me very much were now a bigger part of my family because of the fact that I was vulnerable first. And there's, a, there's an, a, an author named Robin Sharma. And the quote that really speaks to that is, when you are vulnerable with people, they fall in love with you. And I started feeling that in a way that was so so healing for me because these you know these strangers who i didn't know were were the ones that were telling me to take time off they were telling me to go take care of what i needed to go take care of and they would run my office and they worked tirelessly to keep our office afloat and we started doing better and we ended up having the best summer we've ever had and there was this mission the million, and from a seven hundred thousand dollar twenty eighteen, we got to one million and twenty five thousand dollars for the year of twenty nineteen, and that final month was insane. It was explosive, and everybody, it was like they wanted to do it for me, and just that like generosity of their effort. Again, college kids who I never you know really expected anything from really taught me that the business works better as a family than as a business. The idea that started coming out of that is that the bigger the tragedy, the bigger the gift, the more powerful the charge that would come out of the experience, the more energy that you can extract out of it and transform the meaning of that experience into something that could be really, really positive.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's flashback episode of Changing Lives Selling Knives, you can find the full episode and show notes at changinglivespodcast.com. You can also sign up there to receive free resources from me and some of our amazing guests. Please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. This is Dan Cassetta signing off We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.